I think that asserting your identity through your work and telling your own stories is the most important thing you can do for yourself. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. Today, we're thrilled to present this in-depth conversation about art, identity, politics, and expression between graphic novelist Yasmin Omar Atta and the Electronic Intifada's contributor, Marguerite Dubai. Read Dubai's recent review of Atta's book, Mishadra, on electronicintifada.net, titled Visualizing a Feeling. And now, here's Marguerite Dubai interviewing Yasmin Omar Atta. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Marguerite Dubai, and this is the Electronic and the Father podcast. Uh, I'm here today with artist uh, Yasmin Omarata. Uh, Yasmin is a Middle Eastern comics artist, game designer, illustrator, and curator who creates art about coping with illness, understanding identity, dismantling oppressive structures, and Islamic futurism. Their work includes contributing art to the games Four Horsemen and Ghost of Miami, as well as creating the game Being, the comic Zenith, and their upcoming graphic novel, Mishadra, which will be released by Gallery 13 in October. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> Not a problem at all. Um, so um, I wanted to, you know, I read Mishadra, and um, uh, I wanted to start with um, asking you, well, first I'll say primarily that a basic plot line for Mishadra is that it's the, the protagonist, Isaac, is... Uh, this person who is dealing with having epilepsy and is clearly just trying to have this very normal college life. And he's, you know, just, just trying to, like, figure out how to navigate this and having all of these social structures uh, stacked against him and having, you know, and uh, people, like, misunderstanding him, you know, having having uh, this disease and things like that. So I wanted to ask you first, like, what made you decide to write this particular comic? Uh, uh, yeah, write this particular comic about about epilepsy in particular. So I get this question a lot, and it's funny because usually when you write something like this, there's like multiple influences and things like that. And like I was going through a lot at the time because I had just been diagnosed with mm-hmm. epilepsy about like a year, year and a half before I started writing. So it was still kind of new, and I was still like really struggling with it, and. Around the time where I started writing the comic, which is about fall 2013, I was in my senior year of school at SVA, Mm -hmm. and we had to do a portfolio project. I was trying to think of what to do, and I had some ideas, and I kind of wanted to do something with epilepsy because I had done my thesis the year before about Charles V, who was a Holy Roman Emperor, who had epilepsy as well. Mm -hmm. So that was on my mind, and I really, you know, enjoyed slash, like, had a cathartic release with my thesis comic, and so I kind of had some ideas rolling around, but the main thing, the one event that pointed me to do this comic was I was going to meet up with some friends in Manhattan around this time, and I started having a episode of CPSC, which is Complex Partial Status Epilepticus, okay. a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, it's a different kind of seizure that's non-compulsive, and you stay in like a dreamlike state. You have problems navigating. Some people kind of uh, equated it to sort of like having a strange, like lucid dream or high, or having a really intense anxiety attack, things like that. So 
I started getting that, and I was in the middle of Manhattan, and I was like, oh my god, like mm-hmm. I gotta get home. So I'm trying to like figure out how to get home, and like I've lived here for a while. I know Manhattan; it's kind of hard to get lost there. But like I kept getting turned around, and finally I see a subway station across the street. And I'm like, okay, finally, and I start to walk towards it, and I step right in front of a bus, oh, like that's like wow. careening down the street, okay. and. It literally missed me, I can't even, like, by half an inch, right. like, right in front of my face. And I was stunned. I was like, I could have died. Like, oh, I was literally staring at the road just being like, I could have completely just died because of this seizure, basically. Right. And that was the point where I was like, okay, I think people need to know about this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I have that... Things were swirling around that one event, but that one day was, like, the day where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And that's when I decided to make sort of a, I wouldn't say non-traditional, but sort of a more amorphous story structure where it's a, a story that is following a bunch of different events about things that happened to me. So mm-hmm. I kind of compiled a lot of stuff that happened to me into, like, a linear thread. Okay. It, it actually... Um uh, because uh, it's interesting because you, you mentioned this particular um, seizure that's a dreamlike state. You do actually mention this in the comic, and it's something that um, I certainly wouldn't know about um, and um, was really, uh, I mean, I'm glad to know about it now, honestly, that the, there are these different kinds of seizures and there are these experiences um, that, you know, Isaac has and by extension other people who have uh, epilepsy have. And so... Um, and it clearly is heavily connected to you um, and your own experiences. And I think that really um, reads into the work really, really um, well. And, like, really, um, it's really evident. It's, it, how can I say this? It's really, like, visceral. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it comes across. It comes, it's, a very, it's very visceral work. It's very intense work. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, um, you know, it was a webcomic before and now yeah. it's coming out as a book. And now that, like, oh, the book's going to come out in October and these kind of people are starting to read the advanced copies or whatever, I've seen some people tagging it as, like, own voices mm-hmm. and things like that. And to me, I'm, I'm glad because that makes a lot of sense. It's like it wouldn't be what it is and it wouldn't come across as much as it does if I didn't have epilepsy. I would just be right. writing somebody else's story. Right. I mean, people have asked me in the past, you know, have you read David B's Epileptic, you mm-hmm. know, et cetera. And I'm like, you know, I read parts of it and I liked it, but that's, an, a, you know, someone who doesn't have that, like, telling their, like, observational story about it. And that's totally cool. The comic has its place or whatever, but, like, there does need to be more of an extension of, like, you have your story and tell it from your perspective as opposed to someone telling it for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally understandable. Um, so, so um, another question I have is that, so something I find also find interesting about the comic is that it, it has this wide appeal to it. You know, it's it's sort of incidentally informational. Um, you know, it's not, it's not just a comic, it's just, like, simply just, like, doling out information, like, this is the warning signs of epilepsy. You know, mm-hmm. like, it... it it does it in this very um, humanistic way, uh, very personal way. Um, we learn about Isaac's life, and, and you know, it makes it much more relatable and things like that. So, what I'm wondering is, like, do you feel that um, primarily Michelle Bell is meant to like comfort people who are uh, who have epilepsy, or is it meant to inform people who don't have epilepsy? It's kind of both mm-hmm. in a way. Um, it's hard to say which or the other because for me when I first started doing it 
you know, since it came from a place of people need to know about this, um, like I said, it it came from a place of, like, I want to tell people about it. So it started kind of from there, but as I started drawing it, I realized that, like, someone sitting there and telling you, I'm afraid, or I'm scared, or I'm having this thing, just straight up saying it to your face, is, it's good to have that, but at the same time, it's not as effective as trying to suture somebody into sort of a, like, I use a lot of non-literal mm-hmm. visuals in the comic, and the yeah. reason for that is so it can get to somebody viscerally without someone having to sit you down and tell you in very, like, mechanical detail... Right. Uh, spelling out their emotions or their feelings or whatever their physical experience is. So I started doing that in order to like bring the information across better. But as I started doing that, around like page 40 or something like that, like I started to get really cathartic. Like it started to really bring out a lot of stuff in me and really started to help me work through it. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely wouldn't be as functional as I am right now if I didn't have this comic and that's like the honest to God truth. That's awesome. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So it's it's funny. It's kind of both. I I want people who don't know about epilepsy to learn from it. Uh, like informationalize. Like okay this is what happens. Like kind of step to step. And someone I know might be feeling this way but I also want them to get like not necessarily comfort but an emotional understanding of like, oh, I know somebody with this condition, and this is what they go through, Mm -hmm. or, you know, sort of an an insight. Like, I've had people come to me and be like, my dad has epilepsy, you know, my friend has epilepsy, I know somebody, and this comic, like, helped me understand them better, and that really means a lot to me. Like, I save all those messages because Mm -hmm. they mean the world to me. And so I don't know if I could say one or the other information or comfort. I would say... Whatever you need to get from this comic, I want you to have. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So it's really it's both and neither and everything. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and um, what you what you're saying kind of goes hand in hand with the comic. I mean, there, there's a very like introspective element to the comic. Um, it's very. I felt like it was very dreamlike, and I think it's. Be, I mean, not only because of not to give too much away, but like, but, 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 spoilers. <laughs> no, spoilers, no spoilers here, no spoilers here. Uh, but you know, like the, the sort of, um, the visuals that you chose to use, uh, that aren't just, you know, they're not, they're not literal visuals. They're very, they're very imaginative, um, visuals that you chose to use. And, you know, the, there are dream sequences with Isaac where he's, he's just sort of, um, very introspective in, in these scenes. And they're, and it's very, um, it's a, it's a very, it's a very thoughtful, Mm-hmm. It's a very thoughtful comic, and just like sort of like his internal struggle, right? Just dealing with it. So there's not a whole lot of action. <laughs> no, <there's>, <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is not One Piece. Like, <laughs> no, it's not One Piece. It's funny because people like sometimes people are like, "What is the comic about?" And I'm like, um, "It's about epilepsy and dealing with it." And that's not really like a. Sometimes it's kind of hard for people to get into. So I'm glad whenever people. It's like you're saying, oh, like it's very introspective and dreamlike, and I enjoy that. I'm like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> you know, it's it's not really yeah. a very uh, it's very amorphous in a way. It is amorphous. I think it's a good description. So, uh, you know, and 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 another thing is that there's sort of a a, a nod to your uh, your Palestinian heritage mm-hmm. to the work. Uh, they know, you know, there's a little bit. He talks to his dad on the phone. He's using, you know, talking a little bit of Arabic. His dad is literally Baba on the phone. Uh, you know, there's like a, there's a little bit. 
has a very Arabic last name and that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. Oh, I'm just glad that someone's like, ah, it's Baba and it's fun. I'm like, that's how my dad's in my phone, so. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I'm really glad whenever someone catches on. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, integrated that, but it kind of comes through in all of my work, but it's interesting because like, because it's gone on so long, I started it, you know, four years ago, so it really actually yeah. is like my first big work, and I made an active decision to include just basic bits of daily life, like, you know, talking a little bit in Arabic and, like, mm-hmm. having, you know, like, again, like, Hamuda, last name, things like that, just kind of these little day-to-day details. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing is, the focus of the story is not the fact that he is partially Palestinian and partially Arab. Like, right. the comic is not about that. And I think in a lot of works there tends to be, like, a push for it to be about that. I'm like, no, this character is just this person with this background, and they're going through a thing. It, like, doesn't have to focus on that. You know, so, like, I think it's important to insert characters who are their identity, but just going through a thing. Because there's, like, this this idea that you have to, like, hyper-specialize on that if that's present. You know what I mean? No, I I, I totally um, understand that. That it's sort of... it, It definitely... It felt sort of like a, a, a background thing, just sort of like a, oh that's that's kind of cool kind of thing. But it definitely wasn't like this <laughs> red light burn, yeah, Palestinian, you know. And, and, and it's not about racism. It's not about right. the Palestinian experience. I make other stuff about that. This comic is like this is a person, mm-hmm. you know, and they have their their culture and everything is integrated into their daily life, and that's that, right. you know. So yeah. it's it's there and it's present. Um, but the story is not about that. Right. Totally. Totally. Um, I actually would like to talk about um, your your video game being because um, <laughs> because I, I I did play it and I found it to be amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank yeah. You. No, I, I really I really loved it and um, I found it to be. Um, by the way, if you are listening, you can actually um, download it. You can actually purchase it and download it. Um, there will be a link available so you can go to Yasmin's website and download it, etc. Thank you. <laughs> I, I hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the, the game, it's just, uh, you know, I found it to be just extremely harrowing and, um, you know, it just alludes... It, so, the, so the game, ju- just uh, to reiterate, the game, it's... it's, it's How can I explain it? It's, a, uh, it's like a, a short... Uh, it probably wouldn't take anyone more than half an hour, right. an hour... Uh, a short RPG maker abstract adventure game that basically implies that uh, someone from the future of Palestine comes back to the old land and the old cities uh, in Palestine and is trying to uh, find artifacts and learn about what happened there. And through that, I try to tell my experience being Palestinian and various parts of the Palestinian book experience. Yes. No, that's <laughs> it's perfect. very it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of a strange uh, thing because like you wouldn't really equate like RPG maker games with telling someone's like personal experience with their culture and their race and like the, the politics of that. But it just that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I thought it was great. Thank um, you. I'm a I'm a you know as you know I'm a big gamer myself and so I. I personally really enjoyed it. Yeah, good, uh, thank you. Yeah, but I mean, the, so 
you know, the game definitely alludes to these universal um, experiences of Palestinians. Like, I mean, I, you know, I found I found in allusions to like the Nakba, the you know, like colonialism and like just general Palestinian othering and Arab othering. Um, but it doesn't really lay out this information in cold facts. It just sort of this is sort of, um, you know, similar to Mishapra. It's like it's sort of like this background information, you know, without just like. And then, you know, the Gaza War happened, you know. There's no timeline. There's no timeline, yeah. So, so with that in mind, like, who do you think would be, is the intended audience uh, for being? Like, is it, uh, like, is the best scenario people who have, who know nothing about um, what's happening in Palestine? Or is it people who have some general information about what's going on? It's really, honestly, anybody who's interested in playing. I designed the game so there's actually not a whole lot of what people would consider quote-unquote gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like, really, the gameplay is focused around anybody can play. Somebody okay. who has never played a game can pick up this game. All that you need to press are the directional buttons and the A button, and that's it. Okay. Um, yeah. So I designed it around that so it would be accessible. Anybody who is interested even in the slightest bit of Palestinian lived experience, that game, like, that's the intended audience. And if someone has no idea, has no idea about the timeline or the facts or anything, and they play this game and they're interested, I'm like, go look it up. You know, you have you have Google <laughs> or whatever. Right, like, right. you have, or even as a library, you have some ability to find out the facts without me having to spell them out to you because that's not my job, mm-hmm. you know. But... But that person can still come to the game and be like, oh, you know, you have, like, the emotional information someone's given you, and if that's enough for you to go and look up the, like, physical facts, then that's great. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that you're taking that away from it. At the same time, I do want people who have some information or even some bias against Palestine to play this game and, right. and see what they get from it and try to basically insert them into this experience. Right. And try to make that come across. And... Ultimately, the people who are Palestinian and have played it and, you know, really feel something for it, like when you're telling me, like, oh, I, it was harrowing and I loved it, that is a huge deal to me, too. So, basically everybody, in so many <laughs> words, like, anybody who has any sort of interest in Palestinian lived experience, I'm like, please, if you want to play this game, please play this game. And for me, I always want to know what people got from it. Okay. You know, so anybody, really. Okay, that's great. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I actually, and, and this kind of, um, dove, dovetails, uh, into, um, another question I had, you know, keeping in mind, you know, being in, in Nishadra as well. Uh, so, a lot of your work focuses on people living outside of conventions and challenges readers, uh, and challenges readers to think beyond social, cultural, and health norms. Um, can you talk a little about the inherent politics behind the act of exi- existing? Uh, it's funny because politics is an interesting word. How do I put this? It's funny because we're talking about Palestine and like the word politics is so loaded. That I'm always yeah. thinking about like the word politics includes so much. Right. I guess I don't know what it's like to experience what people like call quote unquote a normative life at least here in the West. Like I've always had an identity that is looked down upon or, like, discriminated against even before, like, I understood parts of it. And now that I've, like, kind of, you know, I've come to fully understand my identity, it's still so intersectional that I'm constantly working in that place Mm -hmm. where I'm, like, discriminated against multiple levels. Like, you know, I'm 
I'm Palestinian, I'm Muslim, uh, I'm non-binary, I'm queer, like, I'm disabled, like, all that kind of stuff. And so (laughs) sometimes it just feels like, for me, uh, that intersectionality, like, I don't, when I define it for myself, I'm like, okay, like, that's just who I am. When you take it uh, into a context of other people and there's politics and the social politics of that, it sometimes just feels so heavy. It feels really heavy to kind of have all those things. It feels, like, stacked sometimes. And having to sort of fight your way into, like, getting gigs and like having people treat you with respect which like you shouldn't have to you know try to get people to do but even on stuff that I work on like sometimes there are times where I just feel like really tokenized or mm-hmm. like we're gonna point to you and you're gonna be like you know our person who is like Palestinian this and that and has like x amount of check marks in the diversity right. chart you know right. and, but like at the same time it even though it's hard to find people who don't make you feel that way and it can be really difficult. And I mean, there have been times where I've been flat broke because of that kind of thing. But when you find those people, it's really rewarding. Mm -hmm. So it's actually very, it's very, very complicated to think about what your place is in society. If you even have one, (laughs) like when you, when you have like a non normative, again, quote unquote identity. So it's interesting too, because in that way I've kind of been, I wouldn't say forced, but I've been more inspired to be in this place where, like, I am creating my own art and I'm, like, in control of, like, my career and, like, my space and, like, the, uh, like, the culture around me, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why a lot of my work is very me and, like, there's so much of myself in everything that I do because if I don't do it, who's gonna, like, do it for me. Mm-hmm. And if they do it for me, it's gonna suck. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because they're probably gonna hire somebody who isn't, you know, own voices, isn't there telling their own story, and then I'm just gonna be mad. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I've, I've been put in this place where I assert my identity very strongly through my art, and I'm also, like, more ready to just do it myself. Like, a game and everything like that. I'm like, I'm gonna make this game, I'm gonna make it in two weeks for the show. <laughs> for our pal sandwich, you were in also, and it was amazing. Yeah. So, um... It was. Yeah, it's I was, a lot. I was going to ask you about that, so you know, feel free to, if you'd like to describe Art Palestine. Sure. Please so, do. real quick, Art Palestine was a show that um, I curated along with Art Palestine International um, at Baby Castle's Gallery in New York in the spring of 2017. That's this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had all kinds of art. We had paintings, we had games, we had videos, we had. Margo's comics uh, and everything on the walls of the gallery in order to kind of bring the Palestinian experience to people and they can walk into this room and see all all parts of the spectrum and get a feeling for like what it's like to be Palestinian and like the game is in that spirit the game that I made is trying to do the same thing and that was in the show and kind of going off of what I was saying earlier you know, sometimes it's really difficult to put yourself out there and to have, and to assert your identity so strongly through your art, but at the same time, you know, there are so many times where I'm like, people don't care about Palestine. People do not care. It's not trendy enough. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's not, like, what people want to care and talk about. But the the opening night, I walked in the room, and the room is just, like, full of people who came out to see this, and that means they have some interest in, like, are really appreciating the art, really appreciating your comics, really appreciating, like, the games. And to me, like, that moment meant so much because it's, like, 
sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it feels like, you know, sometimes you're just like, it's not worth it, it's so difficult, but people do care. You just have to put yourself out there, and, like, you really have to focus on being like, this is who I am. Yeah. And, like, I'm not apologizing for it. Yeah. Um, if anything, I'm going to, like, bolster myself and the people around me, and really just exist whether someone likes it or not you know and if they don't like it like it's not my problem yeah yeah <laughs> i mean I, you know and so like you know things get violent etc but like and you just have to assert your identity and what that means for different people is it everyone's different and everyone has a different idea of what that means but like we exist <laughs> that's we're, we're, that's the title of the game. That's just being, yeah. Which makes it really hard to name search, honestly. <laughs> but like, it, it's supposed to be simple because it's like, like we are being, we are existing, and whether or not the politics of existing likes it or not, like, mm-hmm. you know, people can exist whether you want them to, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a very complicated question, a complicated answer, but. I, I think that asserting your identity through your work and telling your own stories is the most important thing you can do for yourself. That was like, um, like someone asked me recently, like, what advice do you have for you know artists who are starting out? I'm like, don't be afraid. That was a lot. That, <laughs> I hope that makes sense. No, that made, that makes total sense. <laughs> okay, good. And I very much yeah. appreciate it. I think yeah, it's good. Great. So I'm glad. It's again, like sometimes it's really hard, and sometimes like with with Nostradra, I made the first part of the comic and I put it online and I was like, I was about to hit the like the tweet or like the post button and I was like, no one's gonna care about this. I was like, no one's gonna read this. Like, what am I even doing? Why am I putting this out there so hard? Like, I'm kind of scared and I just kind of closed my eyes and just went boop <laughs> and did it anyway. And but like that was four years ago and it's completely like a taught me how to be decent at comics. Yeah. Uh, B, taught me how to be more open about my identity. Um, C, gave me chops because I had to draw that comic a lot. Yeah. And D, it's guided my career. Like, at this point, having a big publisher pick it up and be like, we want this and we want a platform into the world. And, like, I was also scared, kind of, to go into AAA or whatever big name publishing. Triple A's games, right? Yeah. Big, big, yeah. big publishers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was kind of, a, a, you know, a little, a little nervous because, like, you know, uh, gender, etc., whatever. But I, I just got incredibly lucky, and like my publisher and everyone involved in the project has been like really nice, really open, Great. super supportive. And so because I took that chance and I just threw it out there and like just was really open about my experience and not apologetic about it. Like now I'm just being blessed with like a really good opportunity. So. That's fantastic. Just do it. Yeah. Don't be afraid. So I I, I, I am going to ask, because I, I this is the question I love asking okay. every single okay. artist I talk right. to ever. Uh, so what are your artistic inspirations? Ah, ah yes. You can't see I'm folding my hands <laughs> right now. Uh, um, so when I was in school, um, my amazing and beautiful teacher, Keith Marison, oh, yes. bless, bless him, yes. uh, he, when I first got into class, like, one of my first years, he was like, okay, everybody, I don't care, just read Osama Tezuka, just do it. Read Tezuka, read Tezuka, read Tezuka. Every time. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I guess I have to read Tezuka. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people know Astro Boy and all of that. Yeah. And that's kind of what I knew. 
And so I went to the library, and I checked out, like, four volumes of Blackjack, and I was just like, oh my god! Well, Blackjack is amazing, <laughs> so... It's, it's my favorite series of all time. Yeah. And I was that jerk who had all 17 volumes of Blackjack out at the same time. I'm so sorry if anybody around 2011 was trying to read it at the SBA library. I apologize. But so instantly it just clicked with me. And so Asama Tezuka, even though I kind of discovered him a little bit, you know, further into my life and a little bit more recently, I, he's my ultimate influence. And I think if you read Mishadra, that it kind of comes through because the reason why Keith Marison's asking us to read him, multiple multiple reasons, but one of them was what he called synesthetic visuals. Mm-hmm. And that idea that you should be using your panels, using your spaces, using your speech bubbles, using everything you have at your uh, like at your disposable and like you're essentially your visual toolbox to help things come across as opposed to just saying, I'm upset and things like that. Um, that's so important and that will help what he would call like suture in. But mm-hmm. people really feel viscerally what's going on and that I really brought that to Mishandra and so Tezuka will always be like that's where I learned it from. I learned it from the best. Okay. So, um that's the biggest one. I I have a lot of influence through like I, I grew up on like the like FLCL manga, so oh, yeah. I'm a huge Hajime Oweta. A fan, and I think that also you probably see that. Um, I really love Gishitaka Amano. Oh yes. Uh, I love old Final Fantasy drawings, and I yes. I don't know if that really comes through or not, but I always look at those and I'm just like, this is next level. It's that's more of an inspiration of like, wow, I really have to keep drawing. Yeah. <laughs> and like, kind of a, a sort of thing to like break out of your box. It's so different from what I draw, so I like look at it and I'm like, you know, what can I experiment with or whatever. Um, so those artistically are my influences. Um, as far as inspiration goes, I'm always inspired. Um, I have two friends, Chris McKay and Sloan Young, and they're always making amazing work, and I'm always really inspired by like their art and also their friendship. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I'm just like, ah. Oh. Friends and good art is like what they live for. Well, I mean, I mean that's a, that's actually, I mean, I'm 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 constantly. Um, pushed by my friends to mm-hmm. make better work. So yeah, that's entirely yeah. understandable. Totally. Yeah. I, I think that's so important because I, I've heard people be like, oh, I try not to be influenced by everybody. And I'm like, really? That yeah. sounds like a bad idea. And like a lot of people don't really engage with right. their friends' work or their comics or whatever. And I'm like, you're really doing yourself a disservice at that point. It's like so valuable to read someone's work and like possibly like get to know them and befriend them mm-hmm. and build positive energy around yourself. And also like start to look at things that help you break out of your box. It's so important and it's right. like so rewarding and like, you know, it, it's so positive that you really should be engaging with people's work and then like befriending people and like hanging out with people who have a similar vibe or like, like your work as well. And you can build like a positive, like niche community that mm-hmm. way that will support you. So mm-hmm. that is really important to me. Very. So no, that's, I, I always, I, I really like to just, get hyped about my friend's work, so. And that's part of why, like, doing the Our Palestine show was so great, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna get Cargo and see if she wants to do it. Yeah. I'm gonna ask our, our friend Layla, yeah. Abdel Razak, if she wants to do yes. it. And so we had, like, a really 
positive thing going on, and it's like, yes, like, the Palestinians in comics, like, well, you know, let's work together, let's support each other, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it was fantastic. So thank you, you know, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks. fun and cool, and I'm really hyped to be doing this for Electronic Intifada because... I'm doing a thumbs up right now. They are indeed thumbs upping, so there yeah. you go. So. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm hyped, and thank you for having me and doing this. No, thank, thank you very much, and you know, good luck with uh, the release of Mishadra again. Uh, please look for it when it comes out. That was Marguerite Dubai interviewing graphic novelist Yasmin Omar Atta. Thanks to Sharif Zakut, our music maker and production assistant. For news, information, cultural features and reviews, and pointed opinion and analysis, visit us online at electronicintifada.net, where you can also post comments and sign up for our daily email digest. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, support the Electronic Intifada by rating it and leaving a review. On behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, thank you for listening. Thank you.